0: Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada, with episode number 188 of The Yacking Show. This is the show that connects people and ideas to find opportunities for you to lead a successful life. We always have interesting guests. Today will be no exception, but Kathleen introduces guests way better than I do. So first, let's welcome co-host Kathleen Beauvais from Waterloo. Welcome again, Kathleen. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great, Peter. Thank you so much for that intro. And thank you all so very much for tuning into our show. We so appreciate you and we love reading your comments. So please keep those coming. And if anyone out there is interested in being a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself. We'd love to hear from you. And as Peter mentioned, we do have another special guest with us today. His name is Kyle Murder from Scotland. Hello, Kyle. How are you? And welcome to the show.
2: I'm very well, Kathleen. I'm delighted to be here today. Crossing the Atlantic, we are.
1: (laughs) Excellent. Now, Kyle, you are the founder of Confidence by Design. You help clients improve their skills and confidence for public speaking. You're also a European champion speaker, and we're going to get into some details in just a little bit. But first, for our audience, can you give us a little bit about your background and how you... uh, were able to develop the passion for public speaking, even the fact, even though you were very nervous about it at the beginning, isn't mm. that
2: right? Yeah, yes. Um, so the first time I ever spoke in public was at a meeting where people were practicing. Some of your audience might know places like Toastmasters mm-hmm. and so forth. It was a little bit like that, and I went along to this meeting. And of course, what they do there is impromptu speaking. And the way that works is someone will ask you a question out of the blue. It can be on absolutely anything. And you have to answer that question with zero prep in the form of a two minute speech. And my first question was, Kyle, if a zombie apocalypse happened in Scotland, where would you go, big man? And uh, I got up there in front of about 20 people staring at me and I said two words. The pub. (laughs) Good one. Uh, Yeah, well, it got a little laugh, but it didn't feel too good because I had to sit back down straight after. That's all I had to say. Um, And I I remember sitting back in the chair and and thinking to myself, why was I so anxious about that? Why was I so afraid to speak? And the reality is, no matter what you do in life, whether you, you start a business, you go into a career, even in your personal life, public speaking will find you. Mm -hmm. So you might as well get a little bit better at it. That was my mindset. So then I started investing in in public speaking in myself. I started reading books on it, watching great speakers online and practicing, doing more of those those awful impromptu speeches and trying to get a little bit better each time. And eventually I get to the point where I, I lose that fear and really start to enjoy my speaking. And that's when things take off for me in terms of opportunities, competing, and then eventually starting my own business where I help other people do the same, speak with confidence.
0: Oh, well, well done. Yeah, I know t- only too well those impromptu speeches. I was involved with Toastmasters for a number of years and uh, uh, very frightening when you first start. So on your website, you, you say that you were a naturally introverted person, but mm. you've gone on to make a really successful career out of public speaking and your whole yeah. business. So you've you've overcome that hurdle. You've done it. Can anyone do that, do you think?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. If there's a desire there, if you're an introverted person, I mean, to just even fast forward, well, to go back even further, growing up, I, I was extremely shy, I used to barely even say anything, you know, and and I also, um, in school, I was um, diagnosed for being dyslexic. And that really shook my confidence because I, mm-hmm. I started... I started failing in school. I started falling behind my peers. So I I just became more and more introverted and and would barely even say anything at all. So I I went from being a very shy person to being someone who can speak in front of any size of audience, really, with confidence. So that can happen if you're willing to put in the work. But it does take work, consistent work there's no shortcut here you've got to do the work you've got to do the practicing you've got to do the failing and you've got to keep trying and eventually you will get there if that's truly what you want
0: yeah you're absolutely right because i went through a very similar path um, like you I, I lived in africa but we had a british school system with very mm-hmm. and my generation very strict teachers and um y- the consequences of not behaving and not doing your work could be extremely painful. Yeah. However. Um, I went through, like you, very shy, and eventually was able to speak in public. I'm not at the level you are by any means. So I certainly reinforce what you're saying. Yeah, uh-huh. Kathleen.
1: So, Kyle, what advice do you have for people who are comfortable doing a prepared presentation, but not so much an impromptu speech? In fact, uh, to do an impromptu speech, if some if somebody said to me, well, you have to get up and just say a few words, I would probably panic um <laughs> that sounds like absolute hell for me so what advice would you have
2: impromptu speaking is all about and speaking in general is all about trusting yourself believing that you will find an answer regardless of what comes your way and i think the best way to practice impromptu speaking is to have a q a section in your presentations so if you're currently doing presentations you can dip your toe into the pool of impromptu speaking by just having a five minute Q&A. See what questions come your way. And you're probably be an expert on that field. I hope that's why you're speaking in the first place. So those will be questions you can answer, mm-hmm. which you know aren't um, really high stakes. And if you want to really push yourself into the pool further, you can start looking at things like I did, like impromptu comedy. Because if you could, yeah, yeah. So if you can actually be funny spontaneously, if you can learn to do that, every other form of impromptu speaking becomes easier. So I'm giving you kind of two extremes here. Dip your toe with including a and a or dive right into the pool by doing impromptu comedy. That will nullify any fears because you will realize, and they will teach you how to do it, that there's a formula behind impromptu speaking. There's a structure behind impromptu speaking. It's not actually that impromptu and just to give you one system for example what a lot of people say is go with past present future so let's say i I get um peter give me a give me a topic for a second here anything at all give me uh anything that comes to mind
0: well we were talking earlier the northern 500
2: right the north coast 500 so in the past I've heard about the North Coast 500. I've watched the videos. I've seen all this great stuff online. It looks phenomenal. It looks like an amazing road trip around the top of Scotland. Presently, I'm preparing for my North Coast 500 trip. We want to do it next year. We're planning out the route. We're getting our stops in place. So in the future, when we do that trip, it's going to be marvellous. It's going to be a holiday to remember. Past, present, future. That's something that you can use for any topic that comes your way, potentially. So there's systems behind these. And learning impromptu comedy and also doing the Q&A are great ways to, to begin that impromptu journey.
0: Wow, he makes it sound so easy, doesn't he? Yeah. Just, like, just like that, <laughs> off the top of his head. <laughs> well done, Kyle. <laughs> so... I've got one for you. With all that's happened over the last couple of years all over the world with uh, the virus, lockdowns, pandemic, whatever, uh, many people have had to switch from talking to people face-to-face in live situations to delivering presentations on Zoom. And whilst one would think that's actually a lot easier than live, Uh, many people find it more difficult. And I've also found it a little bit more difficult Mm. because you can't read the body language and the facial expressions and the nonverbal signals quite as well as you can with a live audience. So what's your advice for people who who have to take that leap into another pool and get onto the virtual speaking side?
2: Yes, virtual speaking is harder. It's harder to maintain people's attention online. So what I would suggest is if you're planning to do a presentation in person that lasts 90 minutes, say, try to condense that down to an hour. Try to make Mm -hmm. your content as tight as possible. No waffle, nothing that doesn't need to be there because like I say, it's harder to keep people's attention online. Another critical component to holding attention online is to be interactive. You Mm -hmm. cannot just be talking to your audience all the time like this you need to be asking them questions, getting them to unmute if it's a small enough group so that you can hear their responses. Do breakout rooms. If it's a big group, if you've got 200 people in your virtual meeting, you can still interact through the chat. Ask them a question, get them to put an answer in the chat. Get people to do something. In your presentation, if you involve them, they're going to be more immersed in terms of what you are doing, and they won't be thinking about the distractions in their environment too. And then, of course, there's other stuff like setup, right? We need to make sure that our lighting's good, that you're well seen, and that your camera position is good. We don't want our cameras being down here where people can see up our noses. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Instead, we want them level. So we're almost you know, in that conversational mode with people. And if you can stand, I would recommend it because you'll have more energy, you can use more of your body language, and ultimately be more engaging online. So those are a few things, Peter, I would recommend, but you're right, it is a lot harder to hold the attention.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, very good, very good points, because uh, both Kathleen and I, apart from this, we are on various Zoom meetings, and some of them, it's, it's so difficult to stay awake. You know, and uh, at times I've had to switch my camera off so they can't see me nodding <laughs> off.
2: <laughs> yeah, and that's another great point, actually, while we're on it. If you are facing a meeting and all you're seeing is this, people not with their cameras on, I would again encourage you to encourage them to turn their camera on. That's because when the camera's off, people, yeah, they don't know what they could be doing behind that, right? But when right. you've got the camera on, at least there's a little bit of accountability now right, that they have to get involved in some way. So encourage people at the start of your meetings to turn their cameras on. I know this is a huge problem for teachers, especially at universities. Encourage them, ask them, and at least the ones who really want to get involved will turn their camera on. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Back to you, Kathleen.
1: So Kyle, many coaches have... Great difficulty in marketing themselves and their services. Any tips you would have to help them? And how did you go about marketing yourself? Because this is a very special niche that you have. Mm.
2: Video was critical for me, Kathleen. So just to give you a picture, when I started my business four years ago, I was 22 years old, I knew no one. So I didn't have like a, a network I could lean back on or anyone who could make an introduction for me to anyone really. So I had to start building a reputation myself and video was my gateway to doing that. And the beauty of what I do, public speaking, is I can actually show instead of tell. Mm-hmm. So when I create a video, I'm actually showing people my public speaking abilities. Right? I'm giving them tips. I'm giving them hints. I'm giving them value. But I'm also subtly showing them that, wow, I, I am articulate, right? I can speak well and I'm showing, telling them that they can do this too. So that's one of the advantages with my service business. I can show people in my videos what I do and how I add value. I think every business can benefit from video content in some capacity. What you have to remember is that when you put a video out out there, it's always there. Mm -hmm. It makes you omnipresent, right? And we may never meet each other, Kathleen, but I might watch one of your videos. And then I'm getting involved and interested in what you're doing. And then further down the line, I might reach out to you because you're the expert in my mind because i am seeing your content all the time. I've built a relationship with with you without even speaking to you. That's the power of video. And I I really struggle why people don't want to dive into it more. I understand some people are self-conscious and struggle on camera, but try to overcome those fears because the rewards behind those fears are massive.
0: Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm going to go back, um, chronologically speaking, because Kathleen and I spent a bit of time on your website, and we actually watched a couple of interviews with other people, oh. and uh, you you had a, a fairly rocky. Uh, But interesting start to your public speaking career. I'm not talking about the one where you wanted to go to the pub. Mm. Uh, You were (laughs) on the streets of Glasgow and and, and Glasgow has a reputation of being quite a hard city for that doesn't suffer fools gladly. Um, That's what I've heard. I don't know if it's true or not. (laughs) But um, Tell our audience how you started and, and if you can lead on from that, how you decided to go into public speaking for a career because you started mm. at a young age. Most people take longer. I'm really interested in the story when you're on the streets trying to persuade people to part with their money, which oh. we know is always <laughs> difficult for to get a Scotsman to do, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, very true. Very true, Peter. So I used to have this job where I worked for WWF, uh, not the wrestling, the, uh, the wildlife charity. <laughs> And uh, basically, my job was to sell cuddly toy pandas um, on the street, basically get people to adopt an animal, sign up for a direct debit payment. So they're giving to the charity. And uh, yeah, it was it was a baptism of fire because... No one wants to speak to you. In fact, people avoid you. You know, you've got one of these jackets on WWF, you're approaching people, have you got a minute, can I speak to you? And they're going around you like water past a rock, you know, it's it's almost like you've got COVID or something before COVID. (laughs) Um, So that was certainly a great way for me to build up resilience to the word no, because when I started my business, I heard a lot of no's. Yeah, for sure. To be completely honest with you, my first three months, I made zero. And that, that's tough, you know, because you start to have the doubts. You start to think, well, maybe people were right. Maybe I should have got a job. Maybe I should have taken more time. Da, 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 da. All these insecurities start coming up. And I think in business, it's I, I, I hear people all the time and they tell me that they're struggling or things are not working out. And they're really considering going to that job um, or or taking that way out or, you know, not working on their business so much and maybe, you know, going online and finding a new way to make money. And it it disappoints me a little bit or I understand why they're doing it. But the reality is, if you want to make your business work, you have to fully commit to it. You have to fully give it everything you've got. And I actually quit that WWF job before I could afford to. I quit that WWF job while I was uh, doing the business, while I just started up the business. I was making no money, but I was committed to making it work. I didn't care if I, I only made, I don't know, a thousand pounds a year. I was committed. I was going to make this business work. I was going to find a way. And I invested in myself. I committed to myself by quitting that job and going full in. And I think that's what you need to do. You, If you're serious about this, you've got to fully go for it and give it your absolute best.
0: Yeah, I, I think you're right. But w- what led you into public speaking at that point? Because,
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, what was sorry. The
2: so just we have to go back a little bit further. So I was at that club, like I said, yeah, and I had that yeah. bad experience, built in my confidence. And then some a lady, actually, a very kind lady at the club offered me a, an opportunity to speak in front of 600 students at a local university. And uh, yeah, Kathleen, I was pretty terrified when I heard <laughs> that at first. But it was one of those moments where your mouth says yes before your brain says no. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I was in it. I was in it. And uh, yeah, I, I over prepared for that presentation. I was preparing for weeks for it. And the day came and it did go really well. And one of the things I, I did was I um, handed out feedback forms to all of the students who were there. And like I said, there were 600, but only about 90 feedback forms were filled out. But nonetheless, the comments on them were really encouraging. Some people said, you know, this session, it really helped my confidence. I really enjoyed that. I feel better about public speaking now. So that sort of gave me the, the motivation and drive and fuel to start the business, to start thinking, oh, maybe God. I could do this long term, maybe I could be a professional speaker going around universities and places like that. So that's what really planted the seed for me, uh, Peter. And then I spent a year sort of preparing things in the background before launching.
0: Wow, very good. Very good. Over to you, Cassie. Um,
1: Can you tell us about your book, The Five Pillars of Effective Public Speaking and how people uh-huh. can get it?
2: Yeah, well, you know something, I've actually realized, I've got a, I've got a copy here, all right in Oh, copy. there we go. So, uh, a visual, I think is always good, right? So this, uh, the five pillars of effective public speaking, essentially, it's the five key skills, the five key skills that all great speakers have. So just to run through what they are for you. Body language is number one, you know, how you use your gestures, your facial expression, your stance to convey your message. Second is voice. How you keep people engaged by not being monotone like this and making people fall asleep, but being dynamic with your voice, engaging, enthusiastic. Third is structure. How you put together your message, how you structure your presentation so that it flows and is easy to follow. Number four is clarity. If you confuse them, you lose them. So you Mm -hmm. need to have absolute clarity in terms of what you're saying and what you're trying to get across. And then fifth is impact. How you make a lasting impression, that inspires action. That's how I define impact. And we go through that in the book. So it's a really good guide for people who are just getting started in public speaking or even those who are a little bit more advanced. There's probably a tip or two that you can glean from the pages as well. Yeah, oh, most definitely.
0: Oh, how did people get your book?
2: Oh yes, um Amazon, Amazon, uh, Jeff Bezos has got a copy himself <laughs> out here. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, but yes, you can get it on Amazon. So it's on Amazon, I think it's CA in Canada. Am I right? Yeah, Amazon.ca in Canada. Amazon.ca. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um so you can catch it on there. You can get it in, and this is something which was very important for me being a dyslexic, was you can get it in audiobook form. And I actually uh-huh. think that's better in many ways because I'm reading the book and you can sort of hear some of the vocal techniques and so forth that I go through. Um, and I think it makes it more dynamic. So if you're someone like me who likes to listen to books while running or on the go, that option's there and available too, if you like. So sure. um...
0: And, uh, I must say, compared to some people from your part of the world, you speak a similar language, eng- brand of English to what we do. So we can understand you very well.
1: <laughs> so, so Kyle, if I were to come to you as a client, how might you begin to help me along? What, what are the steps mm. that you normally take with a new client that you're working with?
2: It depends in in what capacity, Kathleen. So when it comes to individuals, I've kind of got two options. I either do one-to-one training or the confidence club. Now, one-to-one training, the way this works, let's say you've got a a big presentation coming up, Kathleen, maybe a a TEDx talk, for example. And what we would do is we would work on that together. Essentially, if you were comfortable, you could send me recordings of you practicing your talk and I would do a a full MOT of it. Do you know what? Do you have MOTs in Canada? Do they call it that? Yeah. When your car gets a full service every year? Nope. Safety. Yeah. They oh, call so it
0: safety. It. Safety check. Yeah. Okay.
2: Forget the MOT analogy. Forget that. Throw that out the window. Basically I'll do a full review of your presentation. I'll look at the the delivery, your body language, how you're using your voice and also your um content, right? The structure of it, like I said, the messaging and slides as well, if you have them. So that works really well for people who have a big presentation coming up and I can, support them and, and build them up and, and build up their confidence so that they're ready for the big day when it comes. The Confidence Club is actually a group I've created which meets up um, a couple of times a month and we practice our public speaking skills. So every month we're doing something new. We do workshops on, on body language, on voice. Uh, this month we're doing a workshop on the power of words, how to use different um, word techniques and and devices so that your message is more powerful and punctuated. So we're always doing something new, and we give people opportunities to practice in that group as well, delivering presentations in front of about 15, 20 people, and getting feedback too. So most of my work, Emmett, to summarize it, it involves you doing the presenting and receiving lots of feedback, because when you do it, that's when you learn the most. I could, I could tell you stuff all day, but until you actually start speaking yourself, you won't start growing. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and and I have another question. If if I if I can here, Peter, I just want to jump in again. Um, oftentimes, we will watch people deliver a speech, and they'll have cue cards.
0: Mm. Um,
1: because, I mean, do you discourage that? Because t- to me, that's if you're you're having to deliver a speech, that's something you have to pretty much memorize, right? And it could be pages long. Is there? Do you see that as a problem of having cue cards?
2: If they're if they're used in a very effective way, it can work. It can work if you've got cue cards. However, I I would encourage people to aspire not to have any notes. And, and going back to your point, you actually don't have to memorize your your speech. We're not talking about learning something word for word. Mm-hmm. That in fact, that's a very bad idea because if you start trying to learn something, uh, learn a script what might happen is you might get one word wrong in that script and then that'll lead to you getting more words wrong and then kind of descending into an avalanche of despair, right? Um, But what is a better strategy is to just bullet point Mm -hmm. your key ideas and um, memorize them in your mind. So try to memorize the five points of your presentation. Most people are able to do that and it's okay if you say it slightly different each time as long as you're getting the key points across. That's What is critical and the pathway to getting there is repetition and just to give you an idea i've got a presentation coming up on september 1st i've almost finished my my slides my content preparation all of that what i will now be doing from about thursday is running it through every single day so this is an hour-long presentation i'm going to be alone in this room most likely talking to myself on Zoom. And the reason I'm doing that is I'm, I'm building that memory capacity, right? I'm building that familiarity with my content. So then when we do get to September 1st, I don't need any notes. I'm ready to go. I know my stuff. So it's all about putting in the, the repetitions, Kathleen. Does that make sense? Yes, thank you. Yeah, it does.
0: It also, my, my opinion, and you're the expert, not me, um, is that if you do it that way, when you give a similar presentation or speech to a different audience, it's easier to slightly modify that when you're getting the verbal, you know, visual feedback from the audience. So, if you've given it to a, an audience of young parents and you want to give the same message to an audience of retirees, you might. It's it it's easy to switch into their mode, whereas if it's yeah. learned verbatim, word for word, sentence for sentence, you start as you said, you change one sentence and you're lost. You can't yeah to, can't pick it yeah. up again. So yeah, that's a very good point.
2: And everybody. and the other thing, this is what public speaking is meant to be. It's meant to be a two way conversation. Yeah. It's not meant to be a scripted performance, right? You might maybe the audience laugh at a moment, or maybe the audience ask me a question, and I adapt and I go a bit you know off um, off script if you like that's uh-huh. what it's all about having these impromptu moments in your prepared presentation that's what makes it special and just to, to wrap up the notes point and the other problem if you've got notes is what will happen is you just because they're there even if you know your stuff what you'll be tempted to do is look at your notes and then that's a pause that's a disconnect between you and the audience instead of having this flowing conversation. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's all about preparation, practicing. It's not the funnest thing in the world, but it certainly does work.
0: Yeah. Very good. Very good. So Kyle, here's a question for you. Um, It's what I call my burning question that I ask all (laughs) successful people and and you're certainly there. Yeah. So, and I'm going to use it, define it more with speakers. So is is there one characteristic or, or mindset or habit do you believe that sets people who go on to be successful speak public speakers from those who merely remain average? Is there one thing or is it more than one?
2: Well, I'd say there's definitely more than one, but I'll give you something which doesn't just work for speaking, I believe, but just in life in general. Mm-hmm. And I think you've sure. seen high performers is that people take action when they don't want to, when they don't feel like it. Yep. So yep. a lot of the time, to be completely frank with you, i can't be bothered practicing i I really can't you know i can't be bothered doing the preparation what i like is the speaking being there in front of the audience but it's all the other stuff that makes that 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 time in front of the audience you know really valuable for me enjoyable for me if i don't do that prep then i underperform and i don't feel good about myself and it's the same with everything you know I was recently um, running a hundred mile uh, ultra-marathon. I did it in June. And to do that, I had to do uh, five months of training. And you don't feel like doing a 28 mile run on a Saturday every weekend, you know what I mean? But you do it anyway. I'm just getting into the habit of doing it when you don't feel like it is such a powerful, powerful tool which will propel you forward. And the reality is, as well, when you go to speak, maybe you will feel a little bit sick. Maybe you didn't get the best night's sleep before. Maybe um, you had bad news before you went on stage. It sort of allows you to push through all of those problems and still perform at your best. So I think that is the key skill for for me personally, Peter. Yeah. Doing it when you don't feel like it.
0: Very good. And you're preaching to the converted because there's a picture above the book, the taller bookcase behind me. You can't see it properly. That's me running the comrades marathon in South Africa, which was not a hundred miler It's only a fifty mile. So I'm only, I'm wow. not in your league at all.
2: You know and what I did, I'm talking about. That you know what I'm talking about. You don't want to I do that training races. all the time.
0: <laughs> we used to train for a year for that race. So that that's a very you go from sea level to two and a half thousand feet one year. And then the next year you go two and a half thousand feet to sea level. And it can often be 30 degrees Celsius. So you train for a year and you have to do a standard marathon. And then it was four hours. Now it's four and a half to qualify. So, yeah, I know what you're talking about. And I agree with you 100%. And what I found is if you can put the discipline in to do the physical hard stuff, like training for a marathon, it makes putting the discipline in for the cerebral stuff, which you can do sitting in your office so much easier. Yeah.
2: Yeah, 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 thank crossover. you for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> definitely crossover. Do you do any marathons, Kathleen? Have we got uh, running I, I was
1: All I was thinking was I'll stick to my 15K wa- hike through the woods.
0: <laughs> <laughs> i got to tell you that, that Kathleen's favourite place to walk is Ireland, right? Oh, ah. Yes. So tell, tell Kyle about your walks in Ireland. The oh,
1: here comes you. the impromptu. You know, you're putting me on the spot. <laughs> I'm not
2: good at that. I'm really
0: not good at that. he just told you, I used to do this. Now I do this. Yeah, so past, be- <laughs> present,
2: future. Here we go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry, I'm putting you on the spot. Uh, that's very, very interesting. Thank you for sharing that. And what I've got to say is we ask that question a lot. We probably asked 100 of our guests out of the 200 nearly we've spoken to. And none of them talk about the hard skills of you've got to have an engineering degree or an accounting degree or an MBA not one everything is curiosity
2: taking action mm-hmm. That's concentration yeah.
1: yeah yeah
2: yeah yeah and it's so, so bizarre, isn't it because the whole school system set up to make you believe that those more um what would we call it? well-known skills are yep. the ones that you need to do and it, formal education right yeah
1: that's what they promote yeah yeah
2: crazy about that but um, so, thank you thank yes, you kyle absolutely
1: really we're running low on time kyle how do people contact you
2: yes so one way that can contact me is through my website it's uh confidencebydesign.co.uk confidencebydesign .co.uk. You can also find me on LinkedIn if you like. And just yeah. type in my name, Kyle Murter. There's not too many Murters out there, so you should be able to find me and I'm always putting little video tips about public speaking up there which you might find useful. I'm on YouTube as well. Again, just type in Kyle Murter and you can get some more of my videos there too.
0: Excellent.
1: Excellent. Thank you so much, Kyle. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. And we've learned so much and uh, hope to see you again in the future. So yes, for sure. thank you for that. And thank you all again for tuning into the show. And until next time, take care, everyone. Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye. Bye-bye.